Lars, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. What are your What are your thoughts on his style from this era? He's very stiff. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But you know, a friend of mine recently told me that he has a hard time when people knock Lars because. He was a part of these amazing records, and totally. he really, his style really lent itself to these records like Master of Puppets, Ride the Lightning. Even though it's kind of stilted and stiff, and maybe not the most imaginative drumming, like these albums wouldn't be the same if he wasn't playing like that. So I tend to go that way. Absolutely agree. Yeah. I hear a lot of people dog his drumming, like, right. oh, perfect record, except for the drumming, and I disagree, I think. The whole thing. Yeah. I mean, this is a still one of my all-time favorite records in forever. Oh, yeah. But in the drumming, it wouldn't be the same without Laris's No, not drumming. at all. Yeah. And I have the same argument with Injustice uh, for All and the lack of a Newstead bass. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, it's not a good thing that they basically muted the bass. Right. But um, I'm not interested in any justice for jason mixes like i want that document in time i want injustice for all to sound like it did when it first came out that that was my first record i heard of them oh really that was my gateway in the metallica it was for me too yeah yeah it was the one video aha the one video and at the time i was like into i was more into punk stuff and so i thought like metallica is just that's way too heavy and crazy for me and they actually sure. came through Billings when I was living in Bozeman, and I was like, what, like 15 or something like that? And they played with Faith No More, which is another one of my all-time favorite bands. But I, Me too. Yeah, but before I knew who Faith No More was, and my dad was like, I'll drive you up to see Metallica and Faith No More. And I'm like, nah, don't worry about it. And now it's like, that would have been the fucking best thing ever. <laughs> wow. Metallica and Faith No More in, what, like nine... 90? 90? Yeah. Oh. That would have been a dream. I, yeah. To, for me to see them totally now, back then. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, especially, like, I don't know. I mean, that era would have been, like, so amazing. Because that was, so that was Injustice for All and the real thing. And that, but that was before the real thing, like, blew up. Was that 90? That one came out? It was either 89 or 90, but it didn't really blow up until like a year after it came out. Yeah. When Epic, the video. Yeah. Hit MTV. Yeah, totally. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm totally fine with Lars. Like, I have no Lars hate. I I mean, I get it. You know, he's kind of a joke. He's maybe not the best or or most imaginative drummer, but Mm -hmm. he's a better drummer than I am. (laughs) Same. Hard to watch on some kind of monster, but... I think. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, a good friend of mine used to be his assistant, and he's on some kind of monster. He's the guy that's selling Lars's paintings. Oh, like he's, really? He's an old friend of mine. We uh, we kind of came up together in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. and uh, he was this, Lars's assistant for a really long time. And they have a really cool story about how they became friends and how he became friends with Metallica. And one of the highlights of his life is one time Newstead was sick. And he filled in on bass for Metallica playing at the Playboy Mansion. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a trip. Yeah, I mean, that cool. just sounds made up. 
Yeah. You know, but uh, he was an he was an uber Metallica fan, just like crazy Metallica fan, and he followed them all over the place, and he formed this uh, fan group in Duluth, Minnesota, called Creeping Duluth. <laughs> and he just followed them everywhere, and he got to know them. And then when they recorded the Black Album, they flew him out from Minneapolis to San Francisco to, like, hang out in the studio, you know? So um, he met him that way, and he hung out with them, and then he became Lars's assistant, and then he toured with them all the time, and then he played for them on that one show. And now he's in a band with Jason Newstead called Papa Wheelie. Oh shit! I've heard of Papa Wheelie. Yeah, is it, it? Have you listened to any of it? Actually, I don't think I have. I don't, Do yeah. they have a record out? I remember hearing my brother talk about Papa Wheelie. Really? Yeah, yeah. My my old friend is is in that band. Um, I don't really know what it's like. I kind of picture it to be like Caius because my friend was really really into Caius, who I am too. Mm-hmm. I love Caius. Um, yep, I still love him. Yeah, Blues for the Red Sun. And the circus leaves town. Yeah. 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 Great stuff. But, uh, yeah, they had a falling out, I guess. Um, my friend and Lars. He, he did with Lars. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Something about, I saw a Blabbermouth article on it once, actually. Something about him. He was suing Lars for overtime not paid or something like that. But now my friend's an actor and he is in movies with like Sean Penn and, you know, stuff Damn. like that. So, yeah. Weird. Weird, random story. Crazy. Yeah. Weird offshoot. But yeah. But yeah, he's a good dude. He came to an Agalock show one time a few years ago. Well, that was the last time I've seen him. Yeah. Good guy. Steve Wig. Steve Wig. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's Metallica. <laughs> Have you heard that band before? Man, I can't get enough. Um, I was thinking back to the first time you and I hung out and at Slow Bar. Yeah. And we're talking music and... A lot of the stuff we grew up listening to and still loved. And we were talking about the Ramones. Yeah. And I was listening to this band, Occulta Karate. And they kind of hit me like Dark Throne meets Ramones. Wow, okay. But with this just awesome atmosphere. And this this is off the new record. The song's called World Peace. Okay. How do anyway, you, I thought of you the first you, time I heard this. How, how do you spell this? Is this a, a cult of? Occulto Karate. So it's like O-K-K-U-L-T-O-K-R-A-T-I. Okay. But it kind of has like um, some like major Ramones. It's really simple. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like black metal vocals. Kind of reminds me of newer Dark Throne. Like Circle uh, the yeah. Wagons era, like kind of where they discovered punk again. Hiking metal punks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, this is awesome. What's the record called? This one is uh, Raspberry, I think it's Raspberry Dawn. Raspberry Dawn. Okay, yeah. I thought I said Dong. <laughs> it's raspberry in season, dong. Raspberry okay. dong. Yeah, it's in season. The raspberry dong. <laughs> the cover looks like that. Oh wow! Do you know where these guys are from? I think they're from Norway. That makes sense. Definitely Scandinavian. Let me see. Let's look this up. 
Oh, I love this, man. This is great. Yeah. I thought you'd dig it. Um, Norwegian. Okay. Yep. I'm gonna have to check this out. That's awesome. Yeah. Has some like dark wave kind of yeah. keyboard stuff in yeah. there. Yeah. I love the keys. I love the noisiness of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is way up my alley. I think they won like a Norwegian Grammy. Oh, really? Like maybe a couple albums ago or something okay. like that. You said it's with two Ks? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, O-K-K-U-L-T-O-K-R-A-T-I. Koto Grati. Damn. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to have to hunt this down. This is rad. Good stuff. So you're a big Ramones fan. Yeah, man. It's another one of those, like Metallica. Like yeah. The first time I heard the Ramones, I was instantly into it. Yeah, yeah. And then I still listen to the same songs I've heard a couple thousand times, and I feel the same way. Yeah, yeah. They're one of those bands for me where I just can't get enough. You know, it's it's they've been my favorite band for over 20 years, you know. Um, it's your favorite? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's hard for me to say, like, favorite, mm -hmm. but this, for me, the Ramones transcend just the music. It's also uh, who they were as people, the, the story behind them, what they gave to the world, the people they influenced, the bands they influenced, uh, the adversity that they overcame. You know, it's really easy for me to say, like, Faith No More is my favorite band, or Mr. Bungle is my favorite band, or Carcass yeah. is my favorite band. They're all my favorite bands. But there is an importance to the Ramones that kind of supersedes everything else, mm -hmm. at least in my life. Um, and, and so many of the bands that we love. Yeah. 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 And Undoubtedly. It just that point in time you know mid to late 70s new york city the cbgbs that whole movement fascinates me mm -hmm. and uh didi ramon just fascinates me as a person as an artist uh such a kind of uplifting but heartbreaking story at the same time really and i don't know much about their personal lives i guess i know too much yeah. you know i <laughs> if you look at my bookshelf it's like tons and tons of books on the ramones um I have a problem where cool. I don't read anything but books about the Ramones. I mean, it's almost true, <laughs> and it's it's kind of to a ri ridiculous point. But uh, you know, Dee Dee wasn't the smartest guy in the world, but he was a brilliant lyricist, brilliant songwriter, brilliant artist all the way around. You know, uh, died of an overdose, unfortunately. Um, so you know, overall, kind of a sad story, um, but. You know, those guys came from nothing. And they became like one of the biggest rock bands to ever exist. Yeah. And they influenced legions of people, even if people don't know that they were influenced by their Ramones. You know, it's mm -hmm. like it's a band like Sabbath. Like you can't even you can't even quantify their influence. Um that type of stuff just fascinates me. Like I adore Faith No More with every fiber of my being, 
but I can't say those same same things about Faith No More, right? You know, or Carcass. Uh, so yeah, Ramones for me, are huge, just absolutely huge. And I went to uh, Joey's grave and Dee Dee's grave in New York. Not Joey, um, Johnny in Hollywood. Okay. They're buried in Hollywood. Oh, cool! And I went down there about two months ago or so, and uh, it was kind of like a pilgrimage for me. I just get get there, sit there in front of Dee Dee's grave, and it was cool. It was very cool. But yeah, they were beyond important to me. Yeah. So. Yeah, the more the more I listen to them, like nowadays, it uh-huh. sounds. I hear more, maybe even more complexity or genius to the songwriting. Oh yeah. When it used to seem even simpler to me. Right. I heard it before. Yeah. Oh, it's just simple and perfect. But now I listen to it, and it's like, man, there's some real genius stuff happening. Yep. Yep. Yeah, totally. Um, and the more I listen to it too, like. The lyrics are so subversive, especially for the for that point in time, just totally different than anything else. And you know, Johnny was way into like '50s music, like the Bay City Rollers and stuff. And they and they wore it on their sleeve, even though they were this quote unquote punk band. Uh, you could tell that they loved like like that '50s, you know, like classic rock and roll too. Right. And and I love that about them. And I love that, like, Dee Dee was in the Gigi Allen band for a while, and Dee Dee oh, had a rap career, and yeah, I mean, they're just all over the place. And yeah, just fascinating group of people. And uh, have you have you heard Joey's last record, his his solo one? Nope. It's just it's heartbreaking because it's right before he died, and the title is "Don't Worry About Me," and he does a cover of uh, "What a Beautiful World." And it's just, it'll just tear you up. Yeah. I mean, he, he died months after that. Like, two months wow. after he recorded it. Really? Yeah. It's crazy. But, yeah, I could go on and on about the Ramones. I and mean, they're, they're huge for me. And now my daughter is way into them. Ioni loves the Ramones. Really? Went to Tooker and saw Rock and Roll High School. Uh-huh. And uh, PJ Souls was in attendance. And she was, she was sold. Like, now she listens to the Ramones nonstop. She's got a couple T-shirts. She gets yeah. it. Uh, yeah, she gets it. Yeah. <laughs> At least for now. We'll see in a couple of years if she's still into it. But how old is she? Uh, she's 13. Cool. Yeah. Man, the Misfits hit me like that. Misfits, you can tell yeah. they love 50s rock and roll and wore that stuff on their sleeve, too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just, I really dig that where it's like, yeah, we're punk, but also we have all this other stuff going on. And like the Ramones were this reaction to like what was pop culture and what was on the radio but they also embraced like certain parts of it too you right know? they were a reaction to disco but they were like hey let's go back to like chuck berry you know and that's that's awesome and like yeah. the covers they did the ramones covers were always awesome i don't know like i said i could go on and on about the ramones forever but yeah, I remember when we, we met up at Slow Bar a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. I think that was like the first thing. It was like, oh, Ramones, yeah. Ramones, we talked about Bungle and Faith No More. Bungle. Yep. Yep. Satir- we talked about Satyricon, I think, too. Oh, did we? Yeah. Satyricon's huge for me. Um, Have you heard the we- new Satyricon? No, I haven't. Gotta check it out. Yeah? Yeah. 
a lot of people hate it, but uh, it's great. It's really great. I gotta check that. There's been yeah. so much good. There's been so much good stuff. Yeah, new Satyricon. Uh, a lot of people hate it because of the production, uh, but I think the production okay. really lends itself to the songs. The songs are really awkward and weird, and the the kick on that record just sounds like it just it sounds really floppy and loose and kind of sick. And mm-hmm. I don't know the the production, much like a lot of black metal, really lends itself to the songs. But this is in a totally different way. I think, um, yeah, it's definitely worth a listen. Cool. I'm interested. But yeah, I think we talked about um, Ramones, Bungle, uh, Bourdain, Mark Maron. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember what else. But yeah, Slow Bar is a cool place. I've been there a few times since then. I was just there. I went and saw Kurt Vile the other night. Oh, yeah? My buddy had some tickets and we went to Slow Bar. Mm-hmm. Had a burger and a couple of delicious cocktails. And The burgers there are great. The winter burger... Oh, the Winter Burger. Yeah, that's the last time I was there. Actually, I took AJ there when we were recording. I think it was when we were recording. But yeah, got the Winter Burger. Nice. What's on that Winter Burger? I don't remember, honestly. But really good stuff and and good music there. Mm -hmm. I think every time I've been in there, they've been playing Slayer at least once. That jukebox is Mm -hmm. the best in town, too. Yeah, yeah, it's really great. Um. So I'm going to play another song. If my Spotify will work. Come on, Spotify. I'm going to crack the pirate. Do it. So you were drinking, uh, what were you drinking there a second ago? The Heater Allen Pilsner. Awesome. German style. How is that? God, it's so good. Yeah. That's been my go-to. I've been in the Pilsners. That's kind of all I've been drinking lately, and it's either the Heater Allen or or the uh, the Bowie. Oh Check. yeah, yeah. I've been, yeah, I love that one too. Mm-hmm. I like Bowie a lot. I love their IPA. I love their Pilsner. It's good stuff. Okay, here we go. So this is. It's safe to say that I adore this band and their first, first few records, absolutely huge for me. And then I lost so much interest, couldn't even stand them. Just can't even listen to some of their records. Is this an older cut then? This is actually a newer song because for some reason I love this record and I know I shouldn't because it's mm-hmm. awful, but there's something about this record that I just love. It's like almost like a guilty pleasure. Who's this? I haven't told you yet. Does it sound familiar? It does. The vocals sound familiar yeah. to me. The vocalist. Okay, here's how much I've lost track of this band, is they've had, gone through a few different vocalists, and I can't even remember which vocalist this is. Um, but it's the only reason I like this record is because of the vocalist. But, man, their first couple records, like, blew my mind. Like, who is it? Oh, 
You recognize the vocalist? I do. Do you know if you've heard this record? No. I definitely have not heard this okay. song before. A few years ago, Agalock played with this band at the Brutal Assault Festival in, in Czech Republic. Uh -huh. And I was so excited to see them. And they were so awful. <laughs> they were embarrassingly bad. Bummer. The drummer is Hellhammer. Mm -hmm. Those what? vocals are so fucking good. Yes. Who is this? Do you want me to tell you? Yeah, yeah. It's Arturus. Arturus. Oh, yeah. okay. This is the Sideshow Symphonies al album. Okay. I've heard very limited Arturus. Okay. I heard, I've heard one record one time a long time ago. Okay. Yep. Their first few. I couldn't tell you what record that was, actually. First few are amazing. Uh huh. Um, then they put out a few records I didn't like. This one's from 2006. Mm -hmm. And I think they have some records after this too. I honestly just, I like struck this this band from my heart because I hated those records so much. But this record, for wow. some reason, I don't know why. It's like it's triggered all over the place. The tones are awful. It's just those vocals. And I believe that this the is. The power of a good vocalist. Man. Right. It, it really is. And I believe this is ICS Vortex singing. Okay. Who also is in other bands, and I hate them. And I don't even like his vocals in those bands. It's just for some reason this just this record hits me just right. So this this song is called Hibernation Sickness Complete. Okay. But man, yeah, we played with them and we were so stoked. Like we're all up in the front row, and I was like, oh my god, like Arcturus, and they were it's fucking terrible. <laughs> they have a record called La Masquerade Infernal, mm -hmm. which was their second full length. That's easily, the one. easily top five record for me. Wow. Of, okay. Of all time, it's it's genre defying. It's I'll check just that out. insanely good. Cool. Um, and Garm from Ulver was the singer back then. Oh shit. They played a couple songs off that record and just slaughtered them. Billy was Bad. doing sound for us. Oh, awful. Billy's with us because he's doing sound for us, and he's like, you know, he knows Mayhem pretty well, and uh, he's like, I feel like going up to Hellhammer and hitting him for this. He's like, this is awful. What the fuck is up with this band? I'm like, the records, man. The records are great. Well, some of them. But, yeah, this record, I don't know why. It's just... Did you ever get into Ackercock? From England? A little bit. Uh, Don showed me them a little bit, but I haven't really explored them. Are they the good? The singer, they're, they're amazing. There's um, two records, The Goat of Mendez and the one after mm -hmm. that. Um, I forgot the name of that one after that but the singer does so much He's a, the singer is incredible okay and he, and yeah. his, the amount of stuff he does all those vocals you hear on the records which mm -hmm. is he does vo uh, his clean vocals remind me like that a little bit okay yeah a little bit and then he does screams these like roars and mm -hmm. he can do anything and I didn't. I was like, "There's no way that can be the same guy that does right. every one of yeah. those voices." And yeah, that's awesome, man. I love that. Yeah. Um. So, typically, at the beginning of an episode, 
I introduced the guest. Oh, shit. And I didn't do that because we were too busy <laughs> listening to Metallica. Um, but yeah, anyway, Aaron, thank you for joining me here. Thanks for having me, man. It's about time. Yeah, actually, um, I've mentioned this to you a couple times, but you were actually the first person I thought of uh, when I first thought of doing this podcast. I thought, I want to get Aaron on here and uh, see what he has to play. Uh, but it just never worked. You're always like on the road or I'm busy or I'm on the road or yeah, something. We got, we got crazy busy there for the last year, actually. It's been kind of like nonstop. Yeah. Working on working on that record and then touring and... Right. So when did when did uh, Our Raw Heart come out? That came out June 6th last year. Oh, shit. Okay. And then yeah. we, we left for tour a couple weeks after that and mm-hmm. then toured four out of those last five months. Mm-hmm. So, and we'd be in town for like a week or two weeks and then head back out. and America and Europe, right? America, yeah. Yeah. We did a big five and a half week US trip and then two shorter ones and then uh, Europe for okay. six weeks and a couple of days and then damn do you know how many shows that was total oh man 34 32 almost 80 shows damn it's like 78 79 shows yeah wow yeah that's intense we usually spread it out a lot more through the year right so that was the most we've done in such a short period mm-hmm. why'd you hit it so hard just just to promote the record I, it's just the way it lined up this yeah. time I don't know we usually will do like we always do these big long tours which we're talking about changing that up and doing a shorter tours more frequently mm-hmm. but we yeah. usually do like six week trip and then right. not do anything for three or four months and then do another big one and mm-hmm. then but this time we just crammed them all together there was a lot of offers, and we just kind of said it. yes to a lot of stuff. And yeah, yeah. A lot of our friends, that like Bell Witch, we want to go out with them, and mm-hmm. the timing worked out with that. And then in Europe with uh, We Hadod, the timing worked out with them. And mm-hmm. Is that how it's kinda, pronounced? We, we Hadod. Okay, good. Because yeah. I keep hearing people say Weege Dude. Weege Dude, yep. I'm like, oh, I just, I'm not <laughs> down with that pronunciation. <laughs> we, we Hadod is how they say it. Okay. Yeah. So did you feel like it was beneficial to like hit it that hard or do you think it's better to, to I don't think so man it yeah. was too much too soon Yeah I mean I've never yeah. done that I the most I've done is four and a half weeks or so and man but at least for me after 3 weeks I'm starting to hit a wall same I feel like once we hit the month it's we're all kind of feeling like okay yeah. we're ready to go home now and then it's always two more weeks or at least another week and a half. Right. So I think we're going to trim them down and maybe do three, four weeks tops mm-hmm. and just do them a little more frequently and yeah, not spaced out so much. Right. So you did America and then Europe? We did. Yeah, we did America. Then we did a short American trip. Then we did Europe. And mm-hmm. then we came back and did 10, 10 shows up the West Coast. Oh, cool. Which yeah. we... The lot we did those shows with you guys, right? So and that was the very end of it. Yeah. So Karada joined you in uh, San Francisco at Slims, mm-hmm. and then we did our own show in Seattle. And I think that night you were in Bellingham, maybe yeah, the night so. before the Portland show. Yep, I think so. And then we joined up again in Portland. That was awesome. Which man. was amazing. That was a great show. That was fucking was great. A, that was one of my. That was my favorite show of that 
of those 10. Really? Nice. I guess I was 10 days, eight, eight shows in 10 days. Yeah. That was my favorite of the eight. Okay. That, that point nice. show with you guys. I love Star Theater. Me too, man. And I, uh, that was our first time playing there. Oh, that's right. But yeah, I've been Travis to a lot of shows yeah. there. Yeah. Um, I've played it a few times. Um, Agalak used to play there quite a bit. Well, not quite a bit. I mean, we played there like two or three times. I know I'd seen but... you guys there twice. Oh, really? Before. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's a great venue. Um, the sound there is always great. I love the stage. Mm-hmm. It's just, and it's it's great to play a hometown show, and pack it like that. And it's just awesome. And it was great for yeah. Karada. It was great for us. Uh, thanks for you know having us on those shows. That was yeah. that was huge for us. It was a pleasure having you guys. And actually, when we first started talking about even making Karada, basically the first thing out of all of our mouths were like we want our first shows to be like with Yob on the West Coast somewhere. Like that would be perfect. Awesome. And it just happened. Accomplished. We didn't even like chase after it. It just kind of happened. And that was amazing. So yeah, that was great. Um, So in Europe, did you do like any of the big festivals or anything like that? We did Desert Fest this time, which is not huge. Desert Fest is in uh, Desert Fest Antwerp. Oh. There's Desert Fest um, in California, right? There's Desert Days in California. That's what I was thinking of. Yep. Okay. So there's Desert Fest Berlin, Desert Fest Antwerp, and a Desert mm-hmm. Fest, I think, London. Okay. And uh, we did this one in Antwerp. And that one's probably like, I think it's probably like 4,000 4, people-ish. Okay. Nice. Like Roadburn-ish size. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Roadburn's great. How, how many times have you done Roadburn? three different years so we mm-hmm. played two sets in 2010 two th- two sets in 2012 and two uh-huh. in 14 damn okay yeah jeez that's and insane it's the best yeah that yeah w- i've only done it once but i'm hoping to do it again yeah i mean it's just another another level as far as what they bring like the kind of bands they bring out and the organization the yeah. backline Oh man, the backline—that <laughs> no. was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you show up. And I remember, like, just somebody approached me, and they're like, "Bassist," and I was like, "Yes." And they're like, "Okay, you have this, 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 this to choose from." And then somebody just wheels it on stage for you. It was mm-hmm. just—it was amazing. It was like having a personal shopper for ants. Yeah, they make it so easy. Yeah. It was like, no worries. I didn't have to haul anything. I, I just pointed. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Here you go, SVT. <laughs> just this, blah blah." blah. Yeah. Yep. Amazing. Yeah, I definitely want to do it again. Yeah, man. The, it doesn't get any doesn't get better. The night that Agalock played was the most insane lineup ever. Because it was uh disembowelment. So it was actually okay. dusk. I believe they were I believe they were billing themselves as dusk at the time, mm-hmm. playing uh transcendence into the peripheral and it's in in its entirety. Mm-hmm. And then it was us. And then it was I can't remember the exact order. Killing Joke, Oliver, and Voivod. What? Yeah. All on the same stage. It was insane. That's a that's a road burn for you. Yeah. I mean that diverse you, of lineup. It was spanning. totally crazy. Yeah. And we were just humbled by all of it. I mean, disembowelment was huge for me as a teenager. And then, mm-hmm. you know, not to mention Voivod, Oliver, and Killing Joke. Killing Joke. God. Like I, as an audience member, I would be stoked. But then just to even like play that same stage the same night, that was 
I couldn't even make up that lineup. That's no. insane. So yeah, one day, one day, you know, hopefully that's like one, we'll make it back there. That's like one of those flyers you see on the wall and you're like, oh my God, yeah, if I yeah. could have been at that show oh, yeah. or let alone play that fucking oh, show. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Aesop has an awesome poster on his wall. Um, it's from Ostrava. Ostrava. Is Ostrava Austria or Czech? I think it's Czech Republic. I can't remember. I'm not familiar. But it's uh, from like 89 and it's pungent stench and carcass. I never heard Pungent Stench. Yeah, you don't know Pungent Stench? No. Um, They're not the best band in the world or anything, but their first two records are really great. Their second one is called Bencott Buttering. Uh Uh-huh. They're one of those kind of like Eastern European kind of silly death metal. Not silly, silly, but just borders on silly. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely worth checking out, though. Cool. Happy Rebirthday is the one to check out. Okay. That's a a great song. Pungent Stench. Yeah, Pungent Stench. But yeah, those classic flyers like that, when you see that, it's just like, oh. going back to CBGB's, you know, like, see some of those flyers, I'm like, holy shit. Like, uh, they might be giants opening for the Ramones in like 78 at oh CBGB's. Bad Insane. Brain, bad brains. Bad brains. Talking heads. Yes. Oh, blondie. Mm-hmm. That would have been so killer. Um, but anyway, yeah. Back to Yob. So you, you played some festivals. Did, did you do the, any of the big like European festivals? No, they were all kind of on the smaller side. Yeah, we played okay. this festival. Man, the name's escaping me. That was in um, uh, Warsaw. I cannot remember the name of that festival. But I'd broken a tooth on that tour. Oh. Um, when we were in Helsinki. Okay. I was eating. I had a bag of walnuts and I bit down on a... A shell and mm. broke a molar into pieces, but it was a, a crown that I had put okay. on. Mm-hmm. And luckily, the molar or the the tooth was, I mean, the bottom part was still okay. So yeah, I got a new crown, put yeah. on in Warsaw, and wow, played a festival. <laughs> yeah, Aglock had a similar story. We were in Paris, and have you ever played that? That little boat um, on the... Petit Bane? Yeah, Petit Bane. Petit Petit Bane, Petit Bane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We played there this trip. Oh, did you? Okay, yeah. We played there last time Aglock was in Europe, and the uh, catering they had, you know, bread and cheese and olives and all this, and Mm -hmm. John made a sandwich with the olives in it, didn't realize the olives had pits in it, and bit into it and broke his tooth in half. Oh, and uh, had to like run, get like emergency dental work, but it was it was Europe, so we brought like 50, 50 euros. Yeah, I mean, we literally brought like ten thousand euro with us, just because we we're like, we have like he's his mouth was like kind of swelling up, and he was in pain, and we're like, we can't cancel the show. Like, what are we gonna do? And they, you know, gave him some things, and they gave him like this temporary fix, or whatever. Yeah, it was like it was like I think it was less than fifty euro. Wow. But, you know, as Americans, like, we showed up with, like, all of our money, basically. Yeah. Like, <laughs> fix this problem. And they're like, oh, it's not a big deal. Like, this is going to be but, at least $5,000. Yeah. But no, it was like 50 euro. But he was in pain for a little bit. And then we played the show and it was fine. But yeah, definitely the only time I've played, like, a weird houseboat type of thing. That place is so cool. And yeah. they're shutting it down. Yeah, I think I heard that. They're turning it into a, a spa, I think. Really? Yeah. Weird. It's not shutting it down. They're just not going to do shows anymore. Yeah. 
Huh. That's too bad. That was a really cool experience. Yeah. Super cool. I remember getting, I kept getting these feelings like, like I was, you know, the boat would kind yes. of shift. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Remember while we were playing and rocking out and I was kind of drunk on stage and kept feeling like, man, am I like drunker than I feel like that I right. should be? But yeah. like, no, I think the boat's just moving. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like rocking. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely had a little bit of that too. Yob never did like 70,000 tons of metal or anything. Nope. No. Uh-uh. No. Yeah. Aglock got offered that once, but. It's weird. It's a weird situation because you're offered like a certain fee and a certain accommodation, but only for the night that you're playing. But then you're stuck on the boat for the rest of the week or whatever it is, you know. So yeah, it was a week or so. Yeah, maybe not a week, but however long it was, we're still stuck there, you know. Yeah. So we're like, uh, you know, we did, obviously didn't do it, but uh, I don't know if that would be the same or if the boat's so big that you don't even notice. Like the shifting of the seas and stuff. I don't know, mm-hmm. but I, dude, I would. I get that seasick. Oh yeah, I have to take Dramamine. Yo, yeah, yeah. Start uh-huh. puking. Yeah, no, I'm one of those people. Yeah, it sounds awful to me. Like, yeah, like a cruise, and especially like a metal cruise, filled with like Broken Hope cover bands for three days. I, I don't know if I can mm-hmm. do it. Partying. Oh yeah, too much beer, not enough food. I don't know. At sea, I don't puke that much, but I, unless I'm out at sea, yeah, yeah. If, if I drink too much, I'll I'll just kind of black out or yeah. go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if I'm out at sea, I'll just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So what's uh, so our heart did really well. You got a lot of uh, yeah. People were number in, ones. People were stoked on, on it. Yeah. That's yeah. great. That's great. Um, can we talk about the screen real quick? Yeah. It's a standout, right? I mean, it's just, it's different than, yes. than what people know and expect from Yob. Um, can you say anything about the screen? For sure. That one was a, we've been playing that song for probably five years, mm-hmm. but it didn't, it didn't work out with clearing the path to ascend the record before. Right just didn't fit with that group of songs and so it was one of those ones that we would just play at practice once in a while and we just had this big heavy yeah motherfucker of a it's song almost death metal at times totally yeah yep and then this time around we started playing it more frequently and mike started feeling vocals and mm-hmm. he's like yeah maybe it could work with this group of songs and then once we started demoing things out we it fit in, we thought. Yeah. And then when we got in the studio, that one just felt so heavy. Like the performance, it felt like a a special one. It was the first time we played it in the studio too. It was like the first take. Oh, nice. And then we played it two more times. And then listening back to that first one, it's just got the right amount of like uneasiness mm-hmm. to it. And yeah. So that one. It's, it's weird. It's really unsettling uh-huh song i know i know what you mean and for us it's definitely a standout mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like another yob song really i mean mike does some of that triplet right kind of slower death metal like almost morbid angel mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but um as far as like 
kind of like rooting a song in that we've never done that before and yeah i was i was surprised when i heard it really you never played it live never first time we played it live was after we recorded the record and mm -hmm. we played Sabretooth festival okay wow yeah and i and i was a big i'm always telling mike and travis i'm like we gotta play this song like, we gotta yeah. do something with it because yeah we play it in practice and i'd be like damn yeah oh it's heavy yeah it's it's really heavy and, and uh really remarkable you know it's just it comes out of nowhere in a good way mm -hmm. you know um and then seeing you guys perform it too it's like it, it makes so much sense within your set good but it's yeah just, I, feel, I feel like that too yeah but it's it stands out but it just seems like a different avenue than mm -hmm. what you usually do and yeah especially seeing it live just awesome and uh yeah it feels like I said, just not not expected it was really cool it's a fun one to play live yeah, yeah i imagine this especially that the way it kind of the way it starts kind of builds and yeah yeah and travis just just in there just mm -hmm. hitting so hard and ah so good so much space yeah yeah so uh do you have plans for the future we're going out with voivod Oh, that's right. And, I forgot about that. In Amun yeah. Ra. We yeah. leave March 27th. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. How so long is that? about that. Uh, March 27th through April 20th. So okay. almost almost a month. Mm -hmm. But um, a little more humane yeah, trip yeah. this time. About yeah. three and a half weeks. Okay. And it starts in Minnesota. You're not playing here, are you? No. Mm. I don't know. I don't know why. I mean, I'm yeah. glad it's a short tour, but I'm bummed that we're not doing the northwest yeah yeah i would love i've never seen amon ra um, neither have i I've, just on youtube yeah me too only on youtube <laughs> yeah. I've, I've watched him on roadburn or at roadburn on yep, youtube same um and voivod i only i've seen voivod twice i saw him a couple years back at hawthorne uh when they toured with eight bells actually and oh damn they toured with eight bells i forgot about that yeah yeah, yeah. And then I saw him on the Outer Limits tour way back in the day. Whoa. Which was cool. I love that record. Yeah, it's a great record. It's no yeah. Angel Rat. Angel Rat, that's... that's. The... I've never heard Angel Rat. Really? You don't know Angel Rat? Okay. Which is... You should revisit. You should go to... Yeah, check out Angel Rat. That was right before Outer Limits. Ben Stoller's favorite record. Our sound guy, Ben. Yeah, yeah. His yeah. favorite is Angel Rat. Really? And Outer Limits. Like those, favorite those Voivod two. or favorite... Fa favorite Voivod. Okay. Yeah. I, my favorite Voivod is Nothing Face. Nothing but, Face and Dimension Hatros for me. Yes. Those two. The I first mean, one I heard was Nothing Face. And me too. Me too. It's kind of like Injustice for All where every yeah. time I hear it, I'm like, oh, it's just as, good, just as good, if not better. Well, Nothing Face is almost a perfect record, I think. I mean, it has everything. And their, their cover of uh, Pink Floyd is perfect. Mm -hmm. Like, perfect. I'm so glad they keep playing that live yeah, and too. they do it so well live yeah. too yeah yeah so I've, I've only seen them twice or no i i played with them at roadburn i saw them then too i keep forgetting about that right right was um, that was that 2000 i'm so 14, bad years 12 2012 12 13 something like that yeah i have that set they played on vinyl from roadburn i th it was probably they did two sets they did one with us and one the next night oh, okay the well, was it like a a best of or was it Dimension Hatros? It was the best of. 
It must have been the set they played with us then. I'll have to look into that. Um, but yeah, I would love to see them again, and seeing you guys with them would be awesome. But what's the closest Damn they're it. playing? Like, I think... No, they drop off in Dallas. And then we keep going. And we the last show we play is in L.A. Mm-hmm. I think we drop off with them in Dallas. Okay. So... Yeah, we're not coming, not coming close. Yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. And then anything after that you have planned? Or? After that, we're doing 10. We're doing like a European festival circuit in mm-hmm. June, doing 10 shows, mostly festivals, and then a few of our headlining shows in there. Nice. Do you and know then, what festivals you're playing, or can you say it? That's a very good question. We're playing um, Dunk Fest. And I can't even, I don't even know where that's at. Yeah. We're doing... Um, Rocks Guild. Oh, nice. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. That's a pretty diverse one. Mm-hmm. And then um, Hellfest. Mm-hmm. Haven't been that to that one, but I'd love to. Man, that one's, that one's crazy. Yeah. Last time we played Hellfest, which was 2012, we played After Unsane. And, Un- oh, yeah. and Vinny from Unsane, the drummer, had had some surgery in his leg, I think. And so Cody from Big Business was filling in. Mm-hmm. And that was one of those nights where you're like, good God, I'm not ready to play a show right now. Yeah. Unsane, yeah. They were so good. Yeah. But um, I saw Uriah Heep. Oh, that's that, awesome. At that trip. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm a huge Uriah Heep mm-hmm. fan. Um, yeah. So many bands. That's, that's hard to remember who was playing. Yeah. That's how else was playing that show. Always yeah. are. Yeah. I have a few, few experiences like that. Um, Agawak played um, Summer Breeze, and we played right before death. And Fuck. we were hanging out with with Gene and Chuck's replacement, basically. And uh, Chuck, I, I, forgive me, I don't know the, the guy's name, but basically the, the stand-in for Chuck, I guess, um, is playing Chuck's old guitar. Like Whoa. Chuck's actual old guitar. So he was like passing That's it around amazing. to us and like we all held Chuck's guitar. And Gene what? and Aesop were comparing drum sets, <laughs> which was hilarious because Aesop plays with, you know, a very small kit and Gene's is like three kits taped together. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just surreal. Like we got off stage and then they like you know how those festivals are it's like there's like no downtime like right. we get off the stage they get on the stage and like as i'm putting my bass in my case they they you know launch into pull the plug and Damn. i'm just like this is so surreal and then this little van comes up to grab us to take us to where we're staying and then they launch into the the philosopher and i'm like i kind of want to can I go back and actually watch death? Like that would be cool. But then we're going and we're driving past the other stage and it's amorphous playing tales from a thousand lakes in its entirety. Good like, God. so can I stop here then watch that maybe too? Which, but which festival was this? Summer breeze. Summer breeze. Jeremy. Okay. Huge. 20,000 people. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Insane. Monster. Monster. Just huge. That that trip we played a couple of large festivals, and saw some really interesting stuff. Like um, modern day Sepultura was interesting. With, with Max or no? With, uh, okay. with Derek Green or Derek, whatever his name. That's right. Yeah, and they killed it. 
You know, awesome. I mean, it's not Max, but I never, still. I never seen him. So I heard a rumor: is Max playing with Sepultura again? He's playing with Igor, and uh-huh. they're doing. I don't think they're calling it the Cavalera conspiracy. I can't remember what they're right. calling it. I remember Cavalera or Cavalera conspiracy, but I thought it was. He was gonna, they were gonna do like a Sepultura tour, which was like yeah, they're doing it. They're they're playing all the classics. Dead Embryonic Cells, oh Ourself, Stronger Than Hate, all that. That is my dream. They're come killing true. it, man. They're killing it. Look it up on YouTube. Like, it's Max Nigor and a couple other people. I don't know who they are, but they're 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 killing it. Not not Paolo and not Andreas. I don't believe so. No. Okay, no, it's not that Sepultura. Would be my, that no, would be that would dream. be awesome. Okay, I was lucky enough. I saw Sepultura a couple times um, on the Arise tour, and no, I never it wasn't did. Arise. And... No, it was it was right before Chaos AD. I think it was technically Chaos AD, but they were fucking incredible. Have you ever seen that Live in Barcelona video that Sepultura did? No. I had oh, Third World Chaos, the VHS, yeah. uh-huh. and my brother and I would watch it every day. Yeah. Multiple, sometimes multiple times oh, a day. Oh, man. Yeah. Every day. One of the best bands to ever walk the earth. Yep. I always, I, I always argue that if Sepultura didn't write Roots... And they wrote a logical progression to Arise. They mm-hmm. would have been bigger than Metallica. Because Arise, yeah, I can see that Arise is Master of Puppets level quality. Yeah, agreed. And Chaos AD was the first record I heard by them. Mm-hmm. So I went back, and then Arise and Chaos AD were my two. Mm-hmm. That was my two of my most still probably the most played records I've ever. Yeah. You're a little bit younger than me, so that totally makes sense. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I got into him with Beneath the Remains. Yeah. Yeah. What a fucking band. Schizophrenia. I got that on cassette. Yeah, yeah. I had the CD of that. I had to re- had to like go backwards. You know, I was Beneath the Remains. And then Arise came out a little bit later. And then I was like, okay, I'm going like, to go back. and But like, I mean, you don't get better than Dead Embryonic Cells. I mean, no. that that's literally Master of Puppets quality. Like that's and live they were just they were so powerful. They're so hungry. Them. They're so hungry. Them. You know these these punk kids from Brazil. Yeah. They were just so hungry for it. On YouTube, there's some really awesome videos of them playing in Brazil, like beneath the remains schizophrenia era, like in front of like fifty, a hundred people. It's like know? an indoor show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I think I've. I mean, I've seen some live yeah, footage of them yeah. playing this indoor kind of like looks like a concrete yeah yeah like yeah i've seen that yeah yeah so crazy okay so um awesome <laughs> so that's yob in a nutshell Yob. yep and then we're gonna relax for a little while after that and start mm-hmm. working on some new music great yeah. yeah so um with mike's health his health issues that he had a little bit ago um how do you feel like that's affected Yob and the new record? Man, it's affected. It's affected as far as tour goes. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike's kind of a different. He he interacts with people differently now. Mm-hmm. You know he he's still very generous with his time and loves hanging out with you know the bands whoever we're playing with. You know where we're at the the people that are around, but. He has just kind of like, I guess he 
he's still kind of figuring out how to, something's changed how to in there and yeah. he's figuring out like this new dynamic that he has with touring and yeah and playing live mm-hmm. something's changed and i don't think he can quite put his finger on it but right it's taken some he's feeling it out yeah and yeah he took extra good care of himself so he was in he was healthy the whole time he felt great um but from coming from that from him he was definitely like it's not the same like i He'll do interviews and hanging out with people, and he gets, I think he gets overwhelmed a little easier. Yeah. With attention. Yeah. But, um, you know, he's not the kind of guy that's going to go hide out and, like, right, hang out in a bunk or, like, hang out in a, a room until it's time to go play the show. Like, he's, he wants to be in it. You know? Of course. So it was a, a big adjustment for him. Yeah. And, um, but as far as the tour went, it was a, Mike was healthy the whole time. He took really good care of himself. You know, a little little less of the drinking and eating mm-hmm. a little better and mm-hmm. sleep sleeping more, like making sleep more of a priority. Right. Yeah. And I think it helped. Yeah. Like we didn't miss a show um that whole six week European stretch. Um, his voice. We had to cancel a couple shows this year, but um he had some laryngitis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read about that. Yeah, but um, I don't know. I don't know where that came from. But he he's over that now. His voice is feeling strong. Yeah, I guess we'll see, man. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it's crazy. That's scary shit. Yeah, and that's uh, you know, I I know that uh, it kind of brought a lot of attention to the band mm-hmm. too, and that must be. A weird position to be in, especially for him. Totally. Um, and get started really grinding on him. Yeah, I imagine. It, it was kind of all that a lot of the interviews want to mm-hmm. talk about people in person. It's like, talk about this sickness, this thing that he had overcome and that he's moved on and grown grown out of and they want to keep talking about it. Yeah. I think it started festering in his brain. Like he's like, let's create, let's talk about anything else. Right than that it was a thing i overcame it it's done yeah it doesn't define me or the band exactly so let's exactly on. yeah yeah I, I started to feel a little bit of that just because i know you guys and i kept seeing all this stuff and i was like oh you know mike this mike that mike this mike mm-hmm. the surgery the surgery the surgery yeah yeah and in the beginning i mean it, it is powerful stuff and of course it informs him as a person and it informs the music that he's writing right but uh yeah, it, it did get a little bit much, even from my point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but at the same crazy. time, it you know you under, I understand we all understood why people want to talk about that and yeah. why it's it's still you know people still want to know about it. But I think for him, he was just it was started to grind. Yeah, yeah, and ready to create a new you know move on. Move on to something yeah. different. Yeah. Because that was I mean, that was a while ago now, right? Like two years or something? A couple something? years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, yeah, that would be obnoxious to just have to deal with that all the time. Yeah. Man, all the... he. I think I still think Mike's saying better this last tour than he ever has. Like, he's grown so much since the surgery. Mm-hmm. Like, after that, he wasn't singing for months and months. I mean, it was probably like six months that he didn't even sing. Right. And he, as 
he mentioned in <clears throat> countless ways he once he started recovering from the surgery and had to like kind of relearn to sing mm -hmm. he really hit did hit a new place and where like night to night he could sing at like a high level and just more consistently yeah and also just had a, a little more of the range and mm -hmm. a, just a better quality of his vocal yeah yeah I mean, the, the couple times I've seen you guys since then, it definitely seems like he's improved. Yeah. And that's saying something. His ass off. I mean, he's always been awesome. Right. So, you know, I mean, but but all of you guys have too. You know, you can, you can tell you. not only from the recordings, but from the live shows too. It's just, you know, the more you guys do it, the more you get better. Yep. And we've, been playing, we've been playing a lot. Yeah. And, it's like my old friend Brian used to say, when you practice, you get good. <laughs> That's, <He's> yeah. <laughs> the first drummer I ever played with, Brian. Yeah. Well, Travis was the first drummer. The first real band I was in, mm -hmm. Brian had this moment of clarity and practice. He's like, Aaron, when you practice, you get good. <laughs> but he, it, it's like it had just dawned on him. You know? Right. Like, Wait, is that why we're doing this? Is to like get better? Yeah. You practice, you get good. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the more you do it, the more you work at it. That's hilarious. Yeah. So um, before we move on to a different song, let's talk about Norska for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, you're in a different band mm -hmm. called Norska. You had a record. Your last record came out, what, like a couple years ago? Yep. 2015, I think. Okay. Yeah. Could yeah. Be 16. I need to. We we took so long to write that record that it's hard mm -hmm. to remember when it came out even. Yeah. Um, so we've actually moved on from we put that band on hiatus now. Okay. And we have this new this new project we're working on, and um, it's my brother and Jason, same drummer, and mm -hmm. Rob Schaefer on guitar. Mm -hmm. But um, we have a new singer, this guy Ben Jackson. Okay. And. We tuned up. We're up in standard tuning range. Wow. Yeah. We went from B, B standard to <laughs> E standard. Yeah. And then we have um, a D standard for two songs, too. And uh, we're recording our first EP next month. But we haven't named the band yet. We're not going to call it Norska. Something but totally we'll different. Put that on ice. Something totally different. Yeah. It's, it's going to be very different sounding than Norska. And... Um, very intentional about that yeah that's great you know we were we were that band for a long time and um we just weren't feeling this certain chemistry that within that and so mm -hmm. we started going to some new places and decided to tune up yeah bring a little more clarity and yeah yeah kind of change the voicing and maybe trick ourselves to play differently right no i can totally see that happening yeah yeah, yeah. that's and awesome really stoked about that we got a bunch of different names but um we're going to go to the studio with Fester and then name the band hopefully around for the time we're in the studio. And yeah, we have this laundry list of band names and I'm thinking Slayer. Slayer? Maybe it was mm -hmm. like a Z, maybe like a Z L A I E R. <laughs> wow. Slayer. Yeah. It's pronounced Slayer. Yeah. <laughs> it's pronounced Metallica. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. I'm glad that you're. You're busy and that Yob's doing so great. New record's awesome. 
Thank you. Uh, uh, before I move on to the next song, let's mention the Ob beer real quick. Ooh, yeah. I've yet to try the Ob beer, but it's it's brewed here in Portland by Wayfinder. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a Doppelbach. Yeah. Doppelbachs are awesome. I love Doppelbachs. Yeah. Um, My friend Marty says it's really good with a scoop of ice cream. In the beer? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. I've done that with Guinness before. Did he get that at Wayfinder? Did they do no, that? No, he made it himself. He did it at home. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. I can see I, that being good, though. Believe it or not, I still haven't even tried it. Um, but you gotta, I'm, you gotta go do it. I should have got to try your own beer. I should have grabbed some before we did this today. Perfect opportunity. Yeah. What the hell are you thinking? Man? I don't know. Jeez. I was thinking Belgian and. Germany beer, German beers. Yeah, well, you brought me a celebrator. That's nice. I haven't had a celebrator in a long time. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm anxious to try it. Do you know? It's in cans, I know. I'm, I'm going to bring uh, you a couple. I'm getting a case, and Orin says to come by anytime. And, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to have a couple. I know you can get them at Belmont Station or mm-hmm. um, just Wayfinder. Yeah, I love Wayfinder, too. So, um, Did you guys have any input in that beer at all? We did. Nice. But all we told them was we want a Doppelbach mm-hmm. and um, we wanted it to be German and mm-hmm. dark, but not so dark. Not not so heavy, kind of dark, but light. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like a like a German Dunkel or something like that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. My, really into those. my buddy Marty loved it. Said it was awesome, but said the ice cream really made it good. Damn. So, yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Have you been in New Mexico before? think so i mean i've been to albuquerque to play a show oh yeah i i have too yeah but i've never like <clears throat> checked out new mexico no but that's actually on my list to check out dude my mental list i think in like early march i might make a trip out to arizona mm-hmm. and new mexico if i can mm-hmm. trying to get the whole month of march off before we leave for tour oh yeah do see some, some see some of that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, we played at Albuquerque once, and I remember being surprised at how much it looked like Montana to me. Really? Which, you said Bozeman used to live in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm from Bozeman. Grew up in Bozeman. No shit. And That's Al- right. I forgot about that. Yeah, Albuquerque, it, it looked like Montana in a certain way. But, yeah, I mean, it seems like a cool place. I keep telling the family, like... It's a cheap vacation. Let's go to Albuquerque for vacation. Just for like a few days. Get an Airbnb and just check out the town, you know? You can get flights for like a hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. Easy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I don't know. Maybe one day we'll do that. But, but that's the only time I've been there. All for right. shows. Yeah, yeah, same. Most of my traveling is for shows. And uh, it's funny because I've had people, you know, they find out like that you travel or you're in a band or something and they'll be like, oh, have you been to like this country? I'm like, I'm not sure actually. There's a few countries like I just, I'm not sure if I've been to, which is a really weird thing. I had somebody ask me if I've ever been to, to um, God, where was it? Lithuania. I'm like, um, let me Google that. And I was like, oh yeah, I have been to Lithuania. But like, I just, sometimes I just can't remember that shit. Like, yeah. Or like, a, have you been to this city or this country? Like, mm, let me check Google. Yeah. Oh, yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Been there. <laughs> yeah. Because sometimes you don't have 
any time to do anything remarkable. Yeah, and it just seems like any other place, then you're just, you know, and when you're in a different country like every day, sometimes it's like it's impossible to keep track of. All right. So it's good to have these conversations like we're having. Yeah, because all of a sudden you remember memories that you haven't even thought of since the time they happened. Totally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It just takes somebody jogging mm-hmm. that. Yep. It's like, oh, yeah, like, I remember this or I did this. Yeah, that's awesome. Yep. The bridge. The bridge. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing uh, the Yob info. Absolutely. Oh, I have one more question about Yob. Okay. So this is something I, when I first knew about Yob was before you were in the band, obviously, because mm-hmm. Aglock played with Yob before you were in the band. But you've yeah. been in the band for a really long time now. It's a, been like... a dec- uh, Over a decade Yeah, now. like 13 years or so? It's, it's just been 10 and a half. Oh, 10 and a half. 10 and a half. Okay. It was like early 2008 <clears throat> when I joined. Okay. 2008. Okay, cool. I was thinking it was earlier than that. But yeah, but I mean, still a really long time. 11 years maybe? Yeah. Still a really long time. Yeah. Um, and I just, when I first heard about Yob, I had this question in my head, and I didn't even think about it until recently again. Um, what is Yob? Is it, a, is it an acronym? Does it stand for something? It's not. Mike got it from this cartoon called mm-hmm. Rocket by Baby okay. from the 80s. And um, there was a cartoon that was about this. There was like a baby alien family, mm-hmm. like a human family. And the babies got swapped at birth. Okay. And so the humans had this alien baby that they named Yob. Oh, okay. Boy backwards. Yeah, I knew about the boy backwards part. Yep. Um, somebody mentioned that to me, but I'd read somewhere that somebody speculated it meant Year of the Beast. Nope. And I was like, hey, I don't know. To some people it probably does, but yeah. as far as the naming of the band, it, no. Yeah. Has nothing to do with Year of the Beast. No. It's not an acronym. Nope. Okay. Okay, cool. I'm glad to hear that because I was like, I don't know if that would, Year of the Beast really works for that, but whatever. Doesn't quite fit. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Do you have cool. another song to play? I do. Awesome. Um, where to go? Um, I'm thinking. <clears throat> so I'm just going to play a track and then I'm not going to tell you what it is. Do it. Yeah. Okay. That's usually how we roll here. Cool. I will say this. Mm-hmm. One thing cool to keep in mind, the bass player is the singer as well. Okay, I like that. I love that too. And for this kind of thing, it's pretty unfamiliar. It's gotta be Rush then. <laughs> there can only be one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
I like this already. <laughs> Had you at the Mellotron, huh? Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Of bass lines for mm-hmm. being for being the singer. I I doubt he tracked it. Yeah, you're right. I I wonder if he could play this live. I can't find any videos of him doing it. Oh really? Live. Okay. And this was a very long time ago, and they don't play shows anymore. Seventies. Yep. So obviously somebody that wasn't touring a bunch, if you've never seen videos of him playing these these things. I, you're probably right. I'm not sure. I know he used to play bass for Rick James for a little bit. Oh, okay. He, plays with, he played with Crosby, Stills, and Nash for like a mm-hmm. small stint. Okay. Um, he played in a band called Heavy Cruiser. I don't know that. The bass player's name is Neil Merriweather. Okay. That's the name of this project, too. Like Just his name. Neil Mather. Okay. Neil Merriweather, yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of him. This, this record's called <clears throat> Space Rangers. Uh-huh. And um, this track is called The Road to Hades slash High Altitude Hide and Seek. Okay. But it's, This is cool. It's I like, like this. Super psyche funk. Mm-hmm. But heavy. Yeah. Hard yeah. rocking. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I definitely hear a little bit of where Donova got a little bit of influence oh, from yeah. some of this stuff. Totally, yeah. Maybe. But the dude's voice, I love his voice. It's pretty soulful for, yeah, a, yeah. for a white dude. Totally, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you brought up the bass guitar. Mm-hmm. Let's get into the bass guitar. Let's get into it. <laughs> so, uh, would you consider this guy like an influence for you? Or he, I'm pretty new to him. Yeah, is it within the last three years? But okay, he definitely is. Yeah, an influence on me, and um, I'm actually heavily influenced by a lot of. R&B and funk bass players because in my early formative years I listened mm-hmm. to a lot of that stuff and like fusion jazz stuff yeah and, yeah um, from old stuff up until like you know Trevor Dunn oh was a big influence and Trevor Dunn is the he's the best yeah he, the guy's in, insanely good 
He's in my he's in my top starting five, I would say, bass players. He's yeah, I mean for me they always change places, but Trevor's number one sometimes. The next week he's yep. number two. You know, he's I respect and admire that guy so much. Yep. Carry stress in the jaw, man. Oh just, my god. <laughs> that bass line is all you need to know. You know, I mean, that's just You could answer this for me. So did he actually play bass on that song? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Do, I'm confusing, do, I'm confusing do, do, it. So he did do, the vocal he did the vocals in that song too. Are you are you talking about Carrie Stress in the Jaw or are you talking about the secret song? I'm talking about the secret song. I thought that was the same song. No, Carrie Stress in the Jaw is the the it starts out with the crazy. Um, it's hard to do it over this music. Do 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 And for the teeth. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I've can Yeah, the, I've looked at the track list in a while. The secret song this is cool, the panning. That's awesome. I love shit like that. Yeah. The secret song is the Mr. Burns Simpson thing, you know. I know that secret, secret song, song now. Yeah. Yeah. Um I know the actually I know the entire story behind that because of Billy. Because Billy was a part of it. Dude, that's right. And uh Disco Volante is even though the Ramones are my favorite band, Mr. Bungle Disco Volante is my favorite record. Number one favorite record of all time. Is it? Yep. So I've it's quizzed up there him for on me that. too. Yeah, I've quizzed him on that record so many times. I need to do that. I need to pick his brain, just corner him. Actually, <laughs> I don't know if he would agree to it, but my idea is to have him on the podcast and listen to Disco Volante and talk about it. Can I be here? Yeah. When you do that? Yeah. Just like sitting in the corner and have my list of questions too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I we I mean I've I've spent so much time with that guy on the road and I'm like, right. Oh, this part on Disco Volante and oh, this part and you know, and he's like he's he loves talking about it, so it's it's great. He's you know, it's it's amazing. Um but yeah, I mean the story behind the secret song as far as I remember is that I think it was Trey and Mike I'm going to get the details wrong, but it was something like Trey and Mike decided that they were going to make this secret song and not tell anybody else in the band. And so they like they made the song. No, it was it was Trevor and Trey. They made the secret ah, song. Okay. So it is Trevor who's doing the, you know, they didn't tell me like the Grandpa Simpson. Yeah, the Grandpa voice. Simpson. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that's Trevor. And they made the song and they just didn't tell anybody else about it. But then Patton found out about it. I feel like I'm getting the members wrong, but it was like two people made it. And then one other person found out about it, like just stumbled across it in the studio, then added shit on top of it. So it was, I believe it was Trey and Patton made the song and then Trevor found it. And then that's when he made the vocals that say, uh -huh. they didn't tell me. And somehow I found out like that whole thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they made the song and then Trevor added the vocals on there. And then Billy swears, 100% swears that Trey and Patton didn't know that Trevor found out or added those vocals until the record came out. Wow. <laughs> Home run. Yeah, totally. And, you know, on the vinyl, it's it's a hidden groove. 
So on the vinyl, you have to put it in a certain spot to get to that song. Otherwise, oh, it'll just skip over it. Whoa, crazy. Yeah. I've never heard the vinyl. But I could have... Go ahead. I was just going to say, the vinyl, I don't have the vinyl. I've just read a lot about it. I'm. That's my holy grail, is to find the original vinyl, because it comes with a 7-inch. And the 7-inch has platypus on it, because platypus is really not supposed to be on Disco Volante. It was only as like a oh, bonus shit. on the 7-inch. And the other side is one of the very first Secret Chief songs that were recorded. Whoa, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The other side of the 7-inch. Yeah. So, and it's not that crazy expensive. You can get on Discogs like for 50, 60 bucks. I just haven't found the right one to get yet. But that's the version I want. I don't want like one without Platypus or one without the 7-inch. It's got to be like that perfect one. But yeah, that's that's the secret song. It's amazing. And Trevor, not sorry, not Trevor, Trey... When he was recording that record, he was out of tune in certain spots and nobody caught it until he started tracking. And then Trevor was like, this isn't sounding right. And so Billy says that Trevor was bending each note out of tune to match how Trey's guitar was out of tune when they were tracking Wow! as he was playing. Trevor was just like, no, I got this. This is no problem. Just Damn. here we go. Yeah. Insane. That's crazy. Insane. What a fucking great record. Fucking what a great bass player. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. Trevor Dunn uh Trio Convulsant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. I saw them I saw them open for God, was it Se- Phantomos? I Phantomos, think yeah, I was there. Yep. Yep. Ages ago. Yep. At Roseland. At Roseland. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I was there. I was there. Um uh have you ever heard Mad Love? Yeah. Yeah. I love that record. You know what? I bought that CD and I wasn't into it when it came out. I need to listen to that again. Like I bought the CD and I have it. I think it's behind the seat of my truck. Yeah. I need to listen to that again. Super catchy, poppy, but just great. Just really interesting stuff. Actually, I was thinking about that the other day. I'm like, I need to give that another, another shot. Yeah. I love that record. It's really great. Cool. So, um, yeah, I'm going to move on to... Before we start talking about this, um, I already had this picked out, but this is kind of apt. So here we go. Cool. Cross, yeah, yeah. This is my favorite thing Patton has done since the last Phantomos record. Somehow, I've not listened to this yet. Oh, really? I've looked up so some, good. I've just watched some live performances, yeah, but I haven't listened to the record. So great. And they just released an EP last year that's 
phenomenal. Dude. Patton and Dave Lombardo? And Justin Pearson from Locust and Retox on oh, base? Shit. Yeah, and he's... I love that guy. He's amazing. So good. Uh, last summer, Dead Cross and Chica Chiefs played at the Wonder. Mind-blowing. Secret Chiefs, best set I've ever seen from them, ever. Really? They played like a metal set. It was so good. Fuck, man. I, I should have been there. Yeah. I wonder, was Joe Lester playing from Intronaut playing bass on that tour? For Secret Chiefs? Yeah. I don't know. He filled in on one of those tours. Oh, really? Like, I don't know if it was that one or the... The one after or before or what? Yeah, I don't know. But man, it was so good. It was it was just embarrassingly good. And <laughs> Dead Cross closed with uh they they closed with a little medley. It was Rain and Blood and then Epic. What? Yeah. So good. Nicely done. Yeah, the Dead Cross stuff is great. <laughs> just because I think this is amazing, I'm just gonna skip into this song real quick. Still Dead Cross, still okay. their full length, but this kills me. playing guitar on this I don't know his name but he's the guitarist from Retox uh, okay checked out retox no never have it's great is it's, it yeah i'm i'm totally in love with anything that justin pearson does though okay he's also got dead cross retox planet b planet b is he just released on ipecac it's amazing that's the bass player yeah. Justin pearson yeah okay he was in the locust um just so fucking good. The Planet B record has cool Keith on it in parts. And wow, it's cool. Yeah, so good. Like, really weird, like, hardcore, but with, like, analog synths. And really cool stuff. And I saw The Locust a few times. Yeah, me too. That was one of those, those bands that just... I'd never heard... I'd never heard him before I saw him live and me just too. completely blew me on my ass. With, I think it was 
Skeleton Key and Phantomas. Yes. Yes, I was there. And the Locust, right? Yeah. 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 Skeleton Key was fucking great too. I love Skeleton Key. With the I don't know many people that know that band. I'm I only know them because of that show. Really? Yeah. I mean, I didn't know them when I went to that show. I was there for Phantomas. And then I saw Locust and Skeleton Key. And right after that, I was like, I'm buying all their shit that I can find. And Skeleton Key, they had like those those big like metal tubs and shit that the mm-hmm. guy was and he had like the the saw that he was running into the tubs and there's sparks everywhere and yeah and that dude he like broke his leg his his entire leg was in a cast i remember yeah yeah the bass player singer yeah skeleton cue is great um i had their cds a couple of their cds i can't remember what they're called now but loved that band it was it was great stuff fantastic spikes through balloons was one that's of right them. yeah yep. yeah yeah and then Obtainium or unobtainium. Oh. Obtainium was in one after that or something. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was great stuff too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that was Dead May Cross. Have... I need to check out that record. Yeah. Yeah. And one, EP. one EP and, and one full length. It's it's great stuff. I like that. Yeah. Super cool. Okay. You may have heard this. This is one of my favorites that came out last year. Okay. Have you seen Mandy yet? No. I've been okay. wanting to, though. So, Randall Dunn up yeah. in Seattle, he helped produce that record. The Mandy record? The, yeah. The Mandy soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. So, he also recorded this He recorded this record. Okay. And um, That doesn't narrow it down much. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It doesn't narrow it down much, but it just, I guess, I love the atmosphere of that movie, Mandy, so mm-hmm. much. And when you, this record, when I heard that, and I knew that Randall did it, I'm like, and I saw the movie afterwards, and I was like, wow, I just, he's the master of atmosphere. As Randall's far as, awesome. As far as I'm yeah, concerned. I love Randall. Yeah. So this is a Swedish band. This woman's name is Anna von Hauswolf. Okay. I've never heard this. I've always wanted to check it out. I haven't checked it out yet. Yeah. She's she writes a lot of this stuff on the organ, uh, but she plays guitar and okay. She's the songwriter, but the band's fantastic. It kind of hits me like Swans meets Kate Bush. Yeah, yeah, uh huh. I can see that for sure. Yeah. But there's that certain something like Phil Spector had with bands where you listen to something and you're like. I hear Phil yes. Spector in this band. Uh-huh. Like, I hear Randall Dunn and oh, totally. a lot of bands that he works oh, with. Yeah. And uh-huh. I definitely do with this. Yeah. Yeah. 
definitely has a swans vibe to it. Totally. Just kind of repeat, repeats and builds mm -hmm. slowly. Very patient and heavy. some interview where where she lives in Sweden in Gothenburg there's this church where she can go and rehearse on this organ it's one of the church organs okay hooked up like the old school style yeah that's awesome and she can go in there and rehearse and sing and man I would I've never seen her live before um, I think she's coming to the States this year well, she was supposed to play here a little bit ago, and then the tour got canceled for whatever reason. Oh, really? Yeah, she was going to play at Mississippi Studios. Oh, shit. Yeah, John was, John Hom was going to open for her. That's oh, how really? I knew about it. Um, but then it was canceled for whatever reason. I don't know why. Damn. This is really cool. It's not what I expected. I just, I kind of like saw her and like saw a couple write-ups and stuff, and I, mm -hmm. it's not at all what I expected. Yeah, I, I'm really familiar with this new record. She has a few before it. Yeah, I need to hear more, but I love this. This one's off of Dead Magic. Okay. The one that came out last year. Okay. Damn, this is really good. Yeah, right? much swans but it's almost like a modern swans yeah I love Seriously. swans but I'm not a huge Jarbo fan gotcha so this is kind of like perfect for me like mm -hmm. instead of Jarbo yeah I like the swans some of the stuff with Jarbo but I prefer the stuff without yeah, me too. So heavy on the Jarbo yes. factor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I dig that a lot. Cool. I'll have to check out more of that. And that whole record is, the whole thing is really, really good. Mm -hmm. It fits together well. Um, there's a lot of atmosphere and the way things the way things build, there's, a, there's so much space. Yeah. And then when things finally pay off, the payoff is so big. Huge, yeah. And, grandiose yeah. it's it's really well done I'd like to hear her older stuff and see where that where she's come from right this mm -hmm. to me is just like masterful so this is her latest the record. latest yeah. yeah okay 
I have to check that out too. So much stuff to check out. I know. Jeez. There's so much fucking good music that's yeah. come out recently. Yeah, that's the funny thing is I I feel like it used to be so much to check out, but nothing I really cared about. Now I feel like there's so much stuff to check out, and there's a lot of it that I actually care about. Right. And stuff that piques my interest. Same. I feel like um, we're kind of in a renaissance of sorts, musically. I just feel like there's so much stuff that now that I'm like really into. Yep. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Good. Within the last, yeah. within the last couple of years, yeah. there's so much stuff that I'm like still trying to get through and then keep returning to. Right. That's my problem is there, I feel like there's so much good stuff right now that I'm going to have a hard time like returning to it because I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, I checked this out. Now I'm going to check this out. Now I'm going to check out this next thing. But I'm not returning to those initial records because there's so much stuff I want to hear and mm -hmm. so much stuff that I'm, I'm really liking. Yeah. Which I feel like wasn't really the case for the last, like, previous, a long time, years, you know? There's a lot of times where I just felt like there wasn't much that was really intriguing me. It was hooking you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But now I feel like it is for sure. Yeah. Yeah, this is good stuff. I'm gonna have to check this out. It's called Black Magic. Uh, Dead Magic. Dead Magic. Dead Magic. That's even better. <laughs> even better than Black Magic. Yeah. <laughs> dead Magic. <laughs> yeah. Black Magic. It's dead Black Magic. Dead Black Magic. Um, I don't know. Should we move on from here? This one's. I fucking love this song too. It's a big. This is like a 15 minute tune. It's a big. It's a big one. Uh, yeah, move let's on? move on from that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got something? I've got something. Um, this was my album of the year, 2014. And people that know me are going to be disgusted that I'm playing this because they know how much <laughs> I love this band and how much I love the main guy behind this band. Um, he's a friend, but he's also... Uh, somewhat of an idol of mine. I'm just not sure which song to play because they're all so good. All right, here we go. friends right now are just like ah jason <laughs> stop it i'm feeling the same way about this singer like i feel like i know this voice but i do not i've never heard this before you might know this guy you might personally know this guy even i'm not sure is this aaron is this aj no no okay no i had like a hint of aj there for a moment yeah
super cool production. Yeah. yeah. The I mean, the last podcast I did too, I played one of this guy's bands and I basically like flated him for a half hour. So I'm not going to do that, but uh, the main composer for this band has a such a unique and interesting voice. It really not just voice, but like uh, personality mm-hmm. to his compositions. It speaks to me greatly, and everything that he does, he does a lot of min- a lot of many. He does many different things, and each one is quite different, but they all have this quality to it that just like hits me in the gut and like this sounds like nothing I mean and this is like their this band's like sixth full length album and it sounds like nothing like not even remotely like anything they've, they've done previous to this they're just consistently blowing me away all the time and uh, the main guy is an extremely talented songwriter um Who's this? It's K.O. Dot. Oh, shit. Do you know K.O. Dot? Barely. Yeah. Barely. They're, uh, been around for quite some time. Um, but the main guy, Toby Driver, he's, I guess it's not fair to call him the main guy in K.O. Dot, but he, uh, he also does solo work. He's also in a band called P. Black Cross. He does a lot of different things. This is K.O. Dot? Yeah. Oh, shit. And they're just, they're so fucking great. And they go from, like, uh, post-rock stuff to electronic stuff like this. They're, like, they're all over the map. But he has, like, Toby has this, like, singular voice where you, you can hear these chord progressions and be like, that sounds like Toby Driver to me. Like, he's just so unique and interesting. The record after this one, this is off of the Coffins on IO record. Mm-hmm. The record after this is called Plastic Bass at House of Sky. And it's much crazier. Like, this one's much more palatable. But this uh, is like kind of the same idea and kind of the same feeling, but way crazier. Okay. But it still has that like Toby feel to it. I don't know. I just I, I adore this guy's work. Man, I've never heard Kaoda before. Yeah, it's great stuff. And each record is way different. This is coffins. This is coffins of IO. Coffins on IO. Yeah. Coffins on IO. I mean, yeah. This is the second track. It's called Off Ramp Cycle Pattern Twenty Two. I really like this. Yeah, it's this great. Is fucking it? cool. Yeah. You should also check out his solo stuff, Toby Driver. He has two solo records, and the latest one um, is amazing. Just and it, uh, Toby was also the bass player for Secret Chiefs for a long time. Oh no way! Yeah, 
Who recorded this, I wonder? Uh, I could probably find out. Stealthy, yeah, so good. Talking heads. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's it. fucking cool. It's good stuff. I, I gotta get that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all their stuff's great, but uh, that one speaks to me. Particularly. Do you have something to follow that up with? I do. I hope you're ready for this one. I'm ready. You ready? I'm ready. Lay it on me.
ready. <laughs> this one's a super deep, deep cut. Yeah. This is the only <laughs> song I know of them. Oh, really? Out. I think they only made... This is Cafe Con Leche. I think they only made like six or seven songs from Spain. It was these two... These two kids, and they're, I think, rumor has it, they're two dads. Mm-hmm. Kind of like help write these songs. One was like a choir director, and the other one was um, the army general. Okay. Um, so it's like a young young guy and a young girl. These children, and they're the vocalists. But they had some session musicians, but then their dads wrote this music. Okay. Is what I've heard. Like the Shags, almost. Like the Shags? I don't know. Do you know the Shags? Nope. Yeah, they were like, uh, some, some dad had like a bunch of kids and just like made them make music and it was, it's awful, but it became legendary because they're so bad, but he was just like this like iron fist over them. Like you need to play rock and roll. Play, play, play. Yeah. 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 So Cafe Con Leche. Cafe Con Leche. Coffee with milk. Yep. Jackson 5. I was just going to say acid. Jackson 5, yeah. <laughs> yeah. pretty cool (laughs) (laughs) so what's the deal with those guys I I wish I knew I can't find any information on it Um, my buddy Greg uh, Greg Mullaney from Donova okay showed me that cut and man I'm I'm a huge fan of the Jackson 5 oh yeah and I really love super grimy psyche fuzzed out stuff and that was like the perfect marriage mm-hmm. it's like this ecstatic like beautiful blast of positive it is fuzz you know positive fuzz <laughs> yeah I like that I don't know there's not much I just read some article some guy was like yeah this guy's the girl's dad was a choir director and the boy's dad was a in the army and a general and they wrote these songs and got some session musicians but yeah didn't do a whole lot just like one record 
I like the name. Coffee with milk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like I like it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. Definitely has a Jackson 5 vibe, but a little noisier. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Speaking of noise, let's try this out. Mike's the inside of a vacuum cleaner bag. Oh, yeah, it does. <laughs> as far as that atmosphere goes. Yeah. Something burning on fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is this? This is, uh, I believe it's pronounced Endon. Oh, shit. Cool. Do you know this? I've heard of them. Yeah. This is from their album Mama. They just came through town with Boris recently. Yeah, I believe so. Yep. Yep. This is the opening track off of Mama. It's called Etude for Lynching by Family. (laughs) One more time. (laughs) I think it's pronounced Etude? 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 Okay. I think it's Etude for Lynching by Family. Japanese band.
relentless. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard these guys are not to be fucked with live. That's what I've heard too. Yeah. yeah. My roommate, Dave. Uh huh. Um, I think he was working on that Boris tour and then was out with those guys. Oh, really? Okay. Was saying these guys were amazing every night and totally out of this world. Oh, yeah. Weird. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a guy singing, right? Not a girl. I think so, but I'm not sure. I remember seeing live photos. I think it was a oh, really? dude singing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it's a guy. Okay. He's getting up there. It's crazy stuff. Yeah. So, um, a little bit ago, we talked about Trevor. Yeah. So, what are your other... Uh, who else do you love for bass players? Man... As far as my number one, it's got to be John Wetton, okay. who, who also played in King Crimson, and yep. um, he's in Roxy Music for a while, mm -hmm. and um, he was in Family and a couple other projects, but mo mainly his work in King Crimson. I heard Red oh, yeah. when I was like 14, okay. and that was that's maybe my favorite record of all time, and mm -hmm. At the time when I heard it, it was uh, kind of, uh, the to me it was the most far out, but still majestic, but far out piece yeah. of music I'd ever heard. Mm -hmm. and I still keep returning to it, and um, um, the bass playing still hits me like yeah, at just a special special place. So. John Wetton is probably my number one. Also, man, the three Johns. John Entwistle, <laughs> John Wetton, uh -huh. and John Paul Jones. Yeah. I know everybody loves John Paul Jones and John Entwistle, but I feel like John Wetton doesn't get enough love. Like, he's kind of an underdog. Right. Great singer, great bass player. Um, so those guys. I'm also a um, huge fan of Trevor Dunn. Of course have been for a very long time um steve harris from iron maiden mm -hmm. obviously um so the the original bass player from yab asamu mm -hmm. sato mm -hmm. was a huge huge influence on me so before i played in the band um travis the drummer from yab was the first drummer i ever played with and i was around 13 or 14 when that I used to go to their practices because my brother played in a band with Travis. Okay. So when Travis joined Yob, um, my brother and I would go watch Mike and Nasambu and Travis practice. Mm -hmm. And that was, I was really into aggressive bass players back then. Like yeah. really intense, aggressive bass players who were doing 
overplaying a lot and Asami was really my introduction to watching somebody play in the pocket so perfectly mm-hmm. with a drummer, with my favorite drummer. And, um, you know, Mike playing these big complex chords with lots of voicings and Mike, or I mean, and Asamu just playing the pocket of this groove that Travis was creating with Mike. And it was like this, for being as simple as it was, it was this whole new world to me that right. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. that can be so interesting and so simple. And um, like I used to like laugh at bass players that played just in the pocket and played really simply. I'd be like, that's all you can think of to play. But it's like, no, they're really just playing what the song, they're serving the song. Exactly. And, yeah. and that really was a pivotal moment for me. Mm-hmm. But it took me being in a room with somebody doing that, watching these guys create this thing together and then being like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah. Because I mean, I was really into ACDC for a long time, but I was mm-hmm. like, didn't dig the bass lines. It was like an afterthought was the bass parts, you know? Definitely. But the song wouldn't be what it is without those bass mm-hmm. lines holding, doing holding its it role, yeah. holding it down. Yeah. So um, Asami was a huge revelation for me. But um, I think it really took seeing that live in, in a small room to be like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He's doing exactly what needs to happen for those three guys to create this sound. And um, I always think about Asamu when I write bass lines for Yob and I'd be like, because I still tend to pl- come up with something complicated and be like, how can I push this forward and really? And then when I listen back to it, I'm like, eh, it sounds agitating or like mm-hmm. it sounds like I'm trying to uh, pushing it too much, pushing it too much. You know, yeah. it doesn't need that. And then when you play it simple and reel it back and just hit that pocket and then everything sounds better. It's like, oh, yeah, it mm-hmm. reminds me of Asamu. And when I used to listen to him do what he did with Mike and Travis before I was in the band, and um, that was a really, really big moment for me. So I got to say, John Paul Jones, John Wetton, John Entwistle, Asamu Sato, and Steve Harris from Iron Maiden. Um, those are my big five. Nice. Yeah. A lot of Johns in there. A lot of Johns. <laughs> Mostly Johns. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um, was there like a certain moment in time where bass spoke to you? Or was it, I mean, like, how, how'd you get into playing bass? Because that's a very good question. Well, I mean, <laughs> as a bassist, you know, the, the joke is that, you know, it's, it's like you're not good enough to play guitar, so you play bass or, you know, something like that. Right, right. But anybody who's attempted to play bass knows it's, a, it's an entirely different beast than playing guitar. Um, so I'm just curious, like, why bass for you? So anybody that knows me, including you, knows how close I am with my brother. Yes. Dustin. I love your brother. He's we're, awesome. We're doing it at the hip. You know, we, yeah. we have been for our whole lives. So we went to see ACDC. Mm-hmm. on the ball breaker tour mm-hmm. in 95. Okay. And we left, we were driving home from the tour, my dad's Bronco and he took us to see it and it was a life changing day. Yeah. That was speaking of pivotal moments. That was the most pivotal moment in my musical progression because we left that show on the way home. We're like, we have, we want guitars. We want guitars. We have to get guitars. Yeah. 
it was our first loud rock show. Like, I mean, I'd seen George Thorogood before that, but other, besides that, I'd seen MC Hammer with TLC <laughs> opening. Whoa, that's pretty cool. So I went from Hammer and TLC to George Thorogood, which was amazing. And then we saw ACDC and my brother and I were just flattened. Well, right. Yeah. I the mean, whole, that's like walls of guitars right there. Yep. Yeah. They came out and Angus hit a, a G chord and mm-hmm. the whole band was just yeah and then the show was amazing on the way home we're like we want guitars and my brother's like i'm playing guitar so you get a bass i'll get a guitar and i was like cool yeah i'll play bass and that's why i play bass yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean that's it's funny because that's kind of a common story too i mean that's basically why i play bass as well um it was kind of the same situation you know a friend really? and i were like hey like let's play music um but at the same time it wasn't i think it gets this bad rap of like you know oh you know, dustin gets the guitar and aaron gets the the bass you know yeah um I, go ahead go ahead okay i was just i was just gonna say like for me um like i I already love the bass and that's that already spoke to me. I was listening to at the, when I picked up the bass, I was mostly a punk kid, but I was also getting into things like anthrax. I love Frank Bello. Um, I was into like early chili pepper stuff. So flea was huge for me. Primus, Les Claypool. Mm-hmm. So bass spoke to me like really, really heavily uh, already. So when my buddy was like, I'm going to play guitar. I was like, perfect. Like I want to play bass. But I feel like people get awesome. A, like bass gets a bad rap where it's, you know, it like, really does like, oh, you're already playing guitar. I guess I'll play bass, you know? Yeah. I want to rephrase what I said. So that's what got me started playing bass. Mm-hmm. But then I very quickly got, I mean, I was very happy to pl- be playing bass. Of course. Yeah. But the reason that my dad bought me a bass for Christmas is because he left the show and Dustin's like, I'm going to play guitar and you play bass. And I'm like, cool. And I told my dad, I'm like, I want a bass. And Dustin's like, I want a guitar. And then I very quickly, you know, evolved into the instrument and found influences that were on the bass that I was, that I, that's what I was paying attention to. Right. Which was Steve Harris, Les Claypool. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, back then, Steve DiGiorgio. Oh, yeah, but I heard I heard individual yeah. thought patterns. Oh, yeah, I was like 15 years old, and um, I mean that was really my wormhole in the metal was individual thought patterns. Yeah, and Covenant, mm-hmm. but um, Steve DiGiorgio on that record. Oh yeah, that it's was insane. Yeah, that was a my one of my heroes totally. growing up. Yeah, Steve DiGiorgio, um, Roger Patterson, Atheist. Oh shit, that's that guy's name. Yeah. I, I don't know that I don't know who that bass player was. Yeah. He's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um uh Sean Malone, Cynic. That oh. was a that was a huge one for me. Like focus. Because uh, he played Those the Chapman stick records. too. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah, I played the Chapman stick, so you know, he was like all over the place. But yeah. man, yeah. Uh Sean Malone was huge too. I mean, I when I first started playing bass, it was you know more mainstream stuff. I was mm-hmm. definitely into metal, but still, it was it was more mainstream stuff. So, 
you know, for me, it was, you know, the Fleas, Les Claypool, yep. Frank Flea, Bello. Flea was a big one for me. Yeah, Didi Ramon. Um, Ramon's taught me how to, like, be okay with playing simple music. Yeah. You know? Uh, sure. And Didi just kind of like what you're saying uh, earlier is just, like, staying in the pocket and yep. doing what the, what the song needs, not what you need to stroke your own ego, basically. Right. Uh, those things were really formative t- for me. Um, Les Claypool and Flea were an influence on me, but not, I guess influence is the wrong word. They were inspiration. They weren't really an influence. Like I never, I've never played music that lent itself to the stylings of Flea or Les Claypool, you know? Same. So th- they're an inspiration though. I mean, those guys are, especially Les Claypool, like he plays in a way that nobody should be able to play the bass. Like, that should not be possible, what he can do. Mm-hmm. And Flea, to a lesser extent, but still, Flea's a fucking amazing bass player. Absolutely. Where I would say Trevor was more of an influence, or Billy Gould, Faith No More. Like, Billy is probably my biggest actual influence, where I've actually looked to his playing to inform my decisions on what I do. Um, him and uh, Skull from Ulver... Um, those two I've looked at the most, I think, in my career is like, what do I need to do in this part? I never look at, at what Flea's doing to, you know, inform like an Agalock song or something. Right. Um, but they just inspire me to be a better bass player. And I've learned some, you know, some Primus riffs and I've learned some Chili Peppers riffs just to like have fun. But of course, it's not an influence. I used to just sit and I'd play Primus records front to back. I um, learned every every riff and just play along the whole record, and I'd do the same with Chili Peppers. But the bands I was playing in, nobody was playing shit like that. No, so it was no. like nothing that I was informing my decisions by really fit in with what I was doing. So I was really trying to. It was a struggle of being like, I'm practicing the wrong things. Yeah, that's what that's what I was doing too. I was. I was playing R.E.M. and Chili Peppers songs and Soul Asylum, like when I was learning how to play bass. Um, and, you know, I was in a grindcore band. And I think it helped, but at the same time, it was just kind of, it felt like kind of a waste at times. Um, yeah, like you build know. the chops, you you can play well, but as far as like, like you were saying with Billy Gould, like informing your decisions of how you would play with this right. group of musicians, it's not a good, it, no, it's no. not necessarily like, I don't want to play fucking Les Claypool style when I'm playing with guys who are trying to play like Metallica, Slayer. I've always played with guys who are in a metal mm-hmm. or trying to play more like, um, it's always been in, play with guys who are playing like more heavy, like um, early on the Norska stuff, we were into big into Deftones and um, Metallica and Faith No More and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And like just the bass parts I would come up with off the top of my head would kind of end up sounding obnoxious. Yeah. And I would try and like whittle them down to be like fitting the music and just not informing how I would really want to fit that. So, um, right. Anyway, yeah, my my grindcore band in high school, we were heavily influenced by things like Napalm Death and Carcass, but we're also into things like the Chili Peppers and Limbo Maniacs and Mucky Pup and like all these like kind of like quote unquote funk metal bands. 
And so every now and then, like, we'd have a blast beat, and then we'd stop, and we'd do this funk part. And so that's when I could, like, you know, slap and pop and stuff like that. But we weren't, we weren't integrating it at all. We were doing, like, a Naked City, you know, style, like, stop on a dime. And we weren't very good at it. I mean, we were all, like, 15, 16 at the time. But that was kind of, like, my way of being able to, like, exercise those things. But right, other right. than that, like, I've never, ever used those things yep but uh but billy gould he's like one of those players where when i'm writing a record i step back and i'm like okay like what does this song need i don't need to like get out there and be crazy i don't need to do a bunch of runs i just what does this song want and like what would billy gould do Mm mm-hmm and it served me very well. Him and Didi, Didi to a lesser extent, because I don't really necessarily, most of the stuff I play doesn't really lend itself to a Didi style. Yeah. Um, and he plays with a pick. And I've never played with a pick. This is not how I was taught. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Billy, I guess. Billy Gould is pretty Billy. much number one. Yeah. And uh, even now, like listening to those bass lines I think especially like on Angel Dust just caffeine you know caffeine man yeah I mean it's just untouchable him and Puffy as a rhythm section like insanely good insanely good so good so tasty and I mean there's nobody sounds like that pair no no they're both so good at what they do um, I mean, obviously Puffy's world-class, you mm-hmm. know, he's played for everybody that he wants to, including Ozzy and Sabbath, you know? Yep. Um, and you know, Billy's been, you know, fairly unrecognized, I think, but man, you like, he can, he can pretty much do it all. You know, he can do like the, the flea style stuff. He just chooses not to. Right. He does it here and there on the real thing, mm-hmm. um, tastefully. But for the most part, he's just, he's serving the song and uh, doing it really, really well. Yep. Or like songs like fucking Evidence, you know, he like, he fucking makes that song. Yep. It's just, Faith No More is like one of those rare rock bands that can have the bass be prevalent and not have it sound necessarily like funky. He's just like, he's leading the other instruments. Right. And a lot of like, a lot of cases especially on evidence and without billy evidence would be nothing yeah absolutely that's trey on guitar on that song too, yeah, right yeah 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 because speaking he, of tasty oh trey i mean depending on the day secret chiefs could be my favorite band too of all time i agree with that I fucking when I first saw Secret Secret Chiefs, I thought that was the craziest shit I'd ever seen. But I'd never been so inspired. It was with Secret Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum. Yeah, at at uh, at the Aladdin. Aladdin, I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Sleepy Time and Secret Chiefs. That was the first time I saw them too. I was a huge fan. I had at that point I had all the records up to that point, but I'd never had the chance to see them. And 
I mean, Sleepy Time too blew me away. I love Sleepy Time, but yeah. Secret Chiefs, like the, the musicianship is just fucking insane. That band, and Trey's he's he's a crazy mastermind, you know. And, I've, and since then, I've seen Secret Chiefs maybe three or four times, and every single time, incomparable. Like you can't compare them to any band. Nope. And they're always better than any band you love. Like every time I see that band, like when I went to see them with Dead Cross, it's like I love Dead Cross. I love Dave Lombardo. Mike Patton is my spirit animal. I am stoked for Dead Cross. Secret Chiefs fucking it recontextualizes everything, you know? They're better than everybody else. All the time. And yep. it, it kills me every time I see them. Which what's your favorite Secret Chiefs record? Uh if I had to choose, I'd probably say Book M. I love Book M. Uh, Mine's Book of Horizons. Yeah, with the crazy metal stuff on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Holy, Holy Femme? Yes. I guess is that. Yes, yes. I heard they're going to do an entire record of only full Holy Femme stuff. I, yeah, I've been hearing that for a long time. I don't know really? if that's going to happen or not. But the, the show, when they opened up for Dead Cross... Trey announced like we're gonna do kind of like a metal thing and it was kind of like Holy Vem in a way but it was definitely metal most of the time but in a very Secret Chiefs way so good Jason Schimmel was in the audience from a stratosphere like he just happened to be there um, Adam Stacy who used to be in Secret Chiefs from a stratosphere he was there like everybody came out to the show it was amazing Cool. Fucking Secret Chiefs. Yeah. I wish they'd release more records. Because uh, now they're just doing like Bandcamp stuff. And really? It's still, I mean, everything they do is great, but you know, like I have one actual like vinyl of theirs and it's kind of uh, kind of like a best of type of thing. But like a lot of those things you can't even get on vinyl. And then the most recent stuff they've done is just Bandcamp only, like digital download type stuff. Really? Yeah. I think I'm caught up with that. It's easy to not be caught up with it because it's just, you know, digital only. And there's no press and no tour and, you know. But yeah, I, I adore that band. That Holy Fem death metal stuff that yeah. Secret Chiefs does is... Yeah. Some of the most devastating death metal I've ever heard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's what I love about those guys. That whole collective, the whole bungle collective, I guess, is, you know, anything they touch is just, they know what they're doing and they they command it. Whether it's Secret Chiefs or Phantomas or Dead Cross or whatever, like that whole group, like, they know what they're doing and they do it well. Yep. I got a track I want to play, but you take the next one. Okay. I can do that. I got one that I'm I'm so stoked to play for you that you may have heard already, but I'm going to tell you what it is. Awesome. I love it. Oh.
play something weird. You haven't let me down yet. Well, you've been surprising me. I haven't really. I haven't known anything that you've played actually so far. I mean, I've recognized a couple singers, but that's about it. Well, this is gonna let you down. <laughs> One, two, three, four. Chuck Mosley covering Nirvana. No, but you're <laughs> surprisingly close, sort of. Who's that singing? Somebody we've talked about a lot tonight. Tim? Nope. He recorded uh, an EP like literally months before he died, and it's DD. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, this is DD covering Negative Creep. Whoa. Is that on that last record? No, it's a uh, it's an EP of three songs, mm -hmm. and it's it's this, and it's uh, Jump in the Fire by Metallica, and Spirit in the Wind. And that's it. And he just, he just, he called up his friend and he was like, hey, like, I want to make these songs. I want to record these songs. And they did it in like a day. And then he died after that. Oh, this was the last thing he yeah. was doing. Oh, yeah. shit. Like the last shit that Didi ever recorded. Wow. Yeah. This is actually not so bad. The Jump in the Fire cover is pretty bad. Really? Yeah. The weirdest thing about this, I think, is that it was released on Cleopatra Records. It's really? like it's like ten bucks on Amazon. It's a kind of a no-brainer for me. For the three songs? Yeah. Yeah. That's Didi Ramon covering Nirvana. Didi. We love All right. You. Your last song. What do you think? Okay. Striper? I'm going to leave. Striper, I'm going to save for part two. Part two. Okay. Yeah. We'll open nothing but Striper for part two. <laughs> the yellow and black attack. I'll have, to, I'll have to dig deep for that one. Yeah. Okay. So. 
I'm not going to tell you what this is. I almost just said it, but... Uh... Oh shit, this is my favorite band. Yeah, this is... Dude, I love this band so much. I, I'm hesitating slightly. No, this is Oranzi Pazuzu. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. Love this band so much. This groove. Every single one of their records untouchable which record is this this one's off of the I guess this is not the newest one this one's off of um, Vo, Voratilija yeah. Vo, the, the one with the black cover with the blue thingy looks like a light at the end of the tunnel yes that's my favorite at, one it's the newest one they, yes. they reissued an old one um, pretty sure this is the most recent one yeah no this is Without without exaggerating, this is the most imaginative, inventive metal band I've heard in 15, 20 years, probably. I mean, these guys blow my mind. Yeah, man. The bass tone on this record is flawless. The, the bass is so fucking killer. Speaking of imag imaginative, these guys, Bloodhouse Nord. Yes. And um, speaking of imaginative... Um. Yeah. Those two are kind of my. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they're they're into some future. Yeah. On the level, this one in particular, there's something about this band. Like the tones are so good. I love how bass forward it is, especially mm -hmm. on this record. Yep. The keys on some of these records too are so perfect. The keyboard, like, sense yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you listened to Shamish? No. S-C-H... Wait, S-C-H-M-A-S-S-C-H, I think. Um, they're from Switzerland. I think you'd dig them, too. Their last album was... They have two EPs and a full length. The full length was a triple LP called Triangle. How do you spell that again? S C H S C H M A S S C H. Never heard of them. I think you dig that too. Cool. Kind of in the Blue Dust Nord, Aranzi Pazuzu realm. Nice. Yeah, Did you get to see these guys? I still haven't seen them. Yeah, me either. We played a, hel a, a show in Helsinki that last okay. European tour. We flew uh -huh. in, and we tried our best to organize a show with them. We couldn't make it. Yeah. They were doing um, um, some collaborations with Dark Buddha Rising. Okay, yeah. And so they were. that was kind of right smack in the middle of what they were doing. Right. I think they were recording at the time, so we couldn't do a show. Mm. Um we talked about doing a tour. I've been talking to their manager, emailing okay. back and forth, yeah. and talking dates and what it what it would look like. Um, let's see. 
It's how you spell it. That's it. Yeah, that's cool. the record right there. Triangle. Three LPs. That's the one right there. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, this stuff is oh, so prosthetic good. too. Yeah, uh-huh. cool. They put up the Kumbhara record, right? No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Prophecy. 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 Yep. Third. too I do too they can call it the karate like that mm -hmm. not that they don't not that they sound super similar but taking like these guys they have like a spacey psyche mm -hmm. they have a certain um, like it harkens back to this space psych thing from the 70s but also yeah. uh -huh. very pointed towards the future and yes very blackened of course mm -hmm. and the vocals really to help take it there I feel like yeah contrast that the vocals can make like take cafe con leche for instance yeah like it's like a young like two young children singing and they're singing these major keys right and it just makes the overall tone of the music sound so mm -hmm. like hopeful and bright and positive, positive yeah, yeah. And like crisp and but if you took that s same song and had like It just completely changes the tone, you know? Yeah, yeah. That would be interesting <laughs> like to have that song, but, like, with black metal vocals over the top of it. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's nasty sounding. It's super fuzzed out and mm -hmm. kind of heavy in a way, yeah. but the vocals just take it so heavily, like, positive and Yeah, definitely. Like, I don't know how you feel about Deaf Heaven, but like some of the moments in the new record, they get kind of like, kind of singy and, but still sort of black metal 
don't know. It's it's remarkable how the difference just the vocals will make. You take the same riff and mm-hmm. you just change the vocals oh, yeah. and what it does to the it entire. It changes the genre. Exactly. I mean, yeah. Like I, I have to be honest. Like I've actually never listened to Deaf Heaven, mm-hmm. so I don't know. I have no opinion of Deaf Heaven either way. Yeah, you know, I listening to the records. I was never like, I was kind of like, oh. Because a lot of my friends were into it, mm-hmm. and I listened to it, and I was like, uh, not feeling it. Yeah. And then I saw them live, and I was like, damn, they're really good. Mm-hmm. They're really good. And yeah. then I've heard lots of mixed stuff. Yeah, it's pretty extreme. Yeah, I the think two ends, which to me is usually a good sign. It means they're doing something different or something challenging. You know, definitely doing something challenging and different. Yeah, both of those things. But live, seeing them live, I was definitely like. Wow, they're really good. But, like, on record, I was it was not quite hitting me. Right. But um, really fucking good live. And um, I think this new record, I, I checked that out. It's got some great moments, but um, as far as, like, when they're playing the faster moments and they have, like, a clean vocal, mm-hmm. it just completely changes the act. Yeah, I, yeah. It's, like, the most impactful instrument of the band is like the vocals I feel like mm-hmm. like you change that in any direction and yeah. that's gonna influence yeah. the, the most well we, we've experienced that in Karata you know we have blast beats on Karata and then AJ's singing over the top of it right. and if he was screaming then people would be like oh this is black metal right. but since he's singing they're like oh this is like just like heavy metal or whatever mm-hmm. so it, yeah I mean it totally contextualizes everything right stuff is so good. It must be extreme for you guys, like having a singer like AJ mm-hmm. who can do yeah. such, he can do a lot of different stuff. Yeah. But like having, it's like, well, should this be a clean vocal or like a, a screamed vocal or like a, yeah. should this be like and a lower kind of like right. song, like talked vocal kind of thing? He's just kind of, you know, he, we just we rarely have any input on that we're just like AJ you do what you feel is right and that's he just, cool he just he comes to those decisions just from practicing them you know he writes mm-hmm. the lyrics and he's just singing over the songs and he's just <coughs> he makes those decisions by doing and then whatever comes naturally is what he does and you know it works out for us and then we don't have to think about it it's like that's AJ's deal you know he'll do what's right so it works I was I think it works really well I was pretty surprised by the vocals. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't really either, to be honest. I, I thought AJ was going to, when I heard he was playing with you guys, that he was going to go his spin on black metal. And that was very much not what he did, which I... Right. To really cool effect. Yeah. In my opinion, like I, I love the vocals in the record. 
But um, very much not what I thought he would do. Yeah, I wasn't really sure what he was gonna do. You know, we, I knew what he could do to a certain extent, but we just kind of let him do what he thought was right. And uh, we weren't really sure what was gonna happen. Cool. Yeah. So now when we do a next one, you know, it'll be interesting to see how we all expand and change on that formula. I'm excited for that. These for tones my, are for, so good. For my last song of the set, I had to pick the longest song yeah, of the entire fucking night. 35 minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, most of their songs are pretty long if I remember right. Mm -hmm. So um, we are going to close out the set, the set, the episode with a Yob song. And I think for that, we should crack open this little Ooh. bottle of beer I got here. Uh, this was actually have here? a gift from my friend Don Anderson. Uh, he brought this to me. It's, uh, I believe you pronounce it a goze. It's nice. a sour beer. Mm-hmm. Um, never had this one before but while Oranzi is going let's crack this open nice. Sir. Thank you, thank you. Kind of smells like an armpit. That's usually a good sign. <laughs> a little bit. Cheers, man. Cheers. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. Thanks, Don. Yeah, thank you, Don. Damn. Delicious. I take back all those awful things I said about you earlier today. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Mm. Keyboards, man. Yeah, so good.
So good. All right, dude. All right. Should I play a Yob track? Yeah, play um, play Yob track and Any requests or. I uh. No, but if you have one, that uh, you want, I don't know if you have like an introduction for one or a story with one or yeah, something. Yeah, I do. I do. So. I'm gonna play and reverie. Mm-hmm. And this one was a special one because, um, partly because it was a. I don't think Mike had any idea what he was going to do vocally wise going into this song. Yeah. Or maybe he had a, an idea, but it didn't go so well. So it there was like, so well. <laughs> there okay. was a couple days that, that he was in there and, um, it was like, Oh fuck, this is not working. I don't know what to mm. do. And so then I hadn't been in the studio for a couple days. And when I did come in for the third day and he was hitting, hitting it again, and he pretty much nailed this song, which is, it's a nine minute, nine and a half minute song. And he hit it in almost one take, except for a couple lines. Okay. And I was there for like the moment where I, my jaw was like on the floor. And to me, it's, it's Mike's best vocal moment of any job, anything ever. he's ever done. Nice. That's how I want to play it because in the studio, my jaw was on the floor. I was looking at the engineer, Billy. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. But leading up to that day, it'd been, he'd been like struggling with the song. I didn't know what he was going to do. Yeah. And I happened to be there and he did his first take on the third day. He came in and it was just like, just crushed it. And, Mm -hmm. um, I was super proud of him and it was a magic moment. Awesome. Yeah. All right. And like every time I hear this song, though, I think about him laying it down and just being like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's it. That's a no- yeah. That's the next level for Mike. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, let's shut up and listen to this song. Cool.
All right, Aaron. All right. Thank you for coming over. Dude, it's been a pleasure. Doing the podcast. Um, let's do a part two. Let's what do, do you it. say? Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. I've got, uh, I think we have a lot more base nerding yeah. to do at some point. We did like the minimal amount of base nerding. We, we, we cracked have. the surface. Yeah. We cracked the base nerd surface. Yeah. I think we could do way more. Um, and music nerding in general, mm-hmm. Ramones nerding. It was hard to narrow down. I I have so much. I made like a list on my wrist before I came down here. I'm yeah, like, oh, yeah. Like this and this and this, but we don't have five hours to play records. No, and actually I've done that. That's not a good idea because it just ends up being nonsense. Yeah, and people get bored. So uh, yeah, yeah. It's not I'm the actually, best idea. I'm headed to um, Dynasty to see Glacial Fall tonight. Oh yeah, nice. Actually, right after this, mm-hmm. I'm not. They might be on a ten. They might be on in one minute. But you might make it. I might make part of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could probably make it there in one minute. Yeah, no, there's no way you're gonna make it there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks again. I do drive a Nissan Frontier. Well, there you go. Just <laughs> as the crow flies, just mm-hmm. way over there. I've never been there actually uh, to Killingsworth Dynasty. I've heard it's cool, though. It's nice because it's like two blocks from my house. It's so close to home. So you're... Okay, so you're over off Killingsworth. I'm like Rosa Parks. Oh, yeah. Just south of Rosa Parks. Okay. And Minnesota, like right up on the sound wall against I-5. Yeah. Yep. Are you going to come to Mike's show on the 26th at dawn? I didn't hear about that. That I booked? No, you don't know about that? No. Uh, 26th of this month... Uh, Mike's doing acoustic show with Don. Don's doing acoustic Agalot covers. Cool. And I booked it at my new venue. Where's that at? Uh, 87th and Sandy, right in front of the grotto. What? Yeah. What is the venue called? Azoth. Cool. Yeah. You should come. I will be there. January 26th. January 26th. Okay. Yeah, it's a Saturday. Yeah. You should come. It's going to be awesome. I'll be there. Yeah. Rad. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I will remind you of that. You should definitely cool. come. Um, and it's going to be uh, also Aerial Ruin and Weather Veins. Damn, dude. Yeah. Fucking awesome. Yeah. It's gonna I'll be, be really there. Cool. I haven't seen Aerial Ruin in over a year. Oh, man. I can't even think of the last time I saw him. But yeah, I'm booking for this uh, new really cool DIY space over there. Azoth. Yeah. Cool. And... Uh, Don's like, oh, maybe I should play some acoustic Agalock songs. I'm like, hell yeah, you should. Cool. And Mike's like, yeah, I'll do my set. And Eric's like, yeah, I'll play El Ruin. And yeah, this worked out. So it'll be cool. Yeah, come on by. I will. I'll be there. Cool. All right, man. Uh, thanks again for coming, and let's do part yeah, two. Yeah, thanks for having point. me. Good night. All right. Good night. <laughs>